When Kevin was praying just now, the thought popped into my head when he was praying about everything that happened in California. And I probably preached this a long, long time ago, but I just wanted to remind you that every single one of you are God's answer to what's wrong in the world today. Just think about that. Um, you all know me. I'm John. I'm one of the pastors here now, along with Kristen. And uh, we're entering into a new season here at Sawgrass Church. And I'm excited because I know that I know that I know that God is doing something. God is not done with us. As a matter of fact, the meeting that she was talking about the other night, I was really impressed by the state pastors that were with us because they saw it too. I was encouraged because for somebody from outside to come in and say, hey, God's not done with you guys yet, that's encouraging because right now we all have a lot of reason to be discouraged if we want it to be. Um, So it was really cool. And last Sunday, I went to uh, my son, Caesar. Every now and then, I'll go pick him up because he doesn't have a car at the moment. I'll go pick him up to take him to church on Sunday. And we're at this church down, I guess it's in Davie somewhere on the east side of town. And the pastor there used this verse. He used a verse from Ephesians chapter 4, verse, uh, or yeah, verses 11 to 12. And it said, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. My job and Christian's job for as long as God has us here is going to be to equip each of you to do the work that God has called you to do. You wouldn't be here otherwise if God hadn't called you here. And I promise, and I'm sure Kristen would promise with me, that we're going to do everything that we can with all the strength that God gives us to make sure that we do that. Another verse he kept referring to, and we've been throwing it around here quite a bit lately, for such a time as this. And I'm telling you, God's equipping us for something. And it's going to unfold right before our eyes. There's no doubt in my mind. Father, we just thank you, Lord. God, I pray that uh, as I bring this word tonight, Lord, that again you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, let each of us leave here changed, Father, for the better. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Traditions. Whether we know it or not, we all have them. I used to say something like, according to Webster's Dictionary, and now these days I say, according to, according to dictionary.com, because I haven't used a paper dictionary in ages. Uh, tradition is the handing down of statements, beliefs, legends, customs, information, etc., from generation to generation, especially by word of mouth or by practice. In theology, among the Jews, It's the body of laws and doctrines, or any one of them, held to that have been received from Moses and originally handed down orally from generation to generation. Among Christians, it most commonly means it's a body of teachings, or any one of them, held to have been delivered by Christ and his apostles, but not originally committed to writing. So, 
The church in general has a lot of traditions. The church of God has a lot of traditions, and sawgrass has a lot of traditions. We're in a period of one of those traditions right now, uh, Advent. And, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows, but for those of you that may not know, Advent is a period of four Sundays before Christmas. Uh, It's a Latin word that means coming. And traditionally, the Advent season marks the churches preparing for the coming of Jesus, first at Christmas, and then finally when he comes back again the second time. Um, Last Sunday was actually the first Sunday of Advent, and tomorrow will be the second Sunday. There's four Sundays in Advent, and they usually will light a candle for each of the Sundays. Uh, The first week symbolizes hope, the second week preparation, the third week love, the fourth week joy, and then finally on Christmas they light the Christ candle. Now some years we've observed it and we've done candle lightings, and other years we haven't. Um, This is one of the years where we're really not observing it, I'm talking about it, but we're not doing, you know, any of the... uh, any of the little ceremonies that go along with it. Is it in the Bible? No. But it's a tradition that reinforces the truth of Scripture. You know, traditions help many people focus on certain things. Uh, That's one of the things I want to do during this season. I want to be able to help you focus on what Christmas is all about. I want us to focus on the truths that are a part of Christmas. I want us to experience a Christmas touch. But, we'll, but we don't want to stop there. I want you to share that touch, that touch of Christmas with other people around you. And that's what we'll be talking about over the next couple of weeks, the Christmas touch. Uh, Christmas is one of the most widely celebrated holidays in the world. Unfortunately for a lot of people, it's just another tradition. Uh, the meaning, it's lost. Uh, many professing Christians, they struggle to hang on to what Christmas is really all about. It's just like throwing me off so bad that I got to hold this thing. (laughs) In a 2010 article in Psychology Today, it starts off like this. We are told that Christmas for Christians should be the happiest time of year, an opportunity to be joyful and grateful with family, friends, and colleagues. Yet, according to the National Institute of Health, Christmas is the time of year that people experience a high incidence of depression. Hospitals and police forces report high incidences of suicides and attempted suicides. Psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health professionals report a significant increase in patients complaining about depression. One North American survey reported that 45% of respondents dreaded the festive season. Think about that getting depressed over Christmas. Now, these aren't people that, at least I think the impression I got is these aren't people that they're talking about that have been diagnosed with depression. These are just everyday, normal people. The article goes on to give all kinds of advice on how not to get depressed during the holidays. But for Christians, it comes down to one basic solution, keeping Christ at the center of Christmas. That's it. That's all it is. We can trace almost all Christmas traditions back to something that has to do with the original birth of Christ. But because people focus more on tradition than what the tradition actually means, it's easy to lose touch with the real reason for the season. 
Uh, tonight, I'm going to look at one small part of the Christmas story, and we're going to see what traditions there that we can sort of bring back to life in our own lives. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 7. And this is out of the New Living Translation. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first, ta- first census taken when... Quir- Quir- you know these Old Testament names? I just, I, I just love them. Uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now that's how the New Living Translation says it. The... um, New American Standard and the New King James, they both say it differently. They say, uh, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There's a lot of tradition surrounding those ten words in verse 7. Because there was no room for them in the inn. Mary and Joseph traveled to, traveled to Bethlehem. They had to go. You know, it was a requirement. The Roman Empire was telling them all you know, to go back to their towns. She's pregnant, and when they get there, all the hotels are filled, and she ends up having her baby in a stable. We hear stories about the innkeeper. I mean, we probably all have seen a Christmas play of kids. They all have a part, and there's the innkeeper, and Mary and Joseph come to the inn. The guy opens the door and says, sorry, I don't have any room. And then, you know, but, just, but wait, there might be some room in my stable. It's a tradition. The truth is, there are several interpretations of that part of the story. The word inn can actually be translated as lodging place, which is how it was translated in the New Living Translation. It may not have been an inn. It may have actually been the house of one of Joseph's relatives. You know, Middle Eastern cultures place a high value on family and on hospitality. That's been, that's, that goes back centuries. Uh, and since everyone had to return to their ancestral homes for the census, it's not a far jump to think that Joseph still had family there and all the other family came back from wherever they were. It may have resembled one big, massive family reunion. Uh, and houses at that time... It was just one, maybe two rooms divided up into different kind of sections. So imagine a couple of generations of family gathered in this big room. You know, people stepping over people, you know, air mattresses all over the house, um, cooking going on at one end, kids playing on the other end. You know, not exactly the best place to have a baby. I mean, I remember two years ago, I think it was, we had Loretta's brother was down. 
uh, his kids were down, her mother was down, our kids were home. There was like 11 people in the house, and there were, there were air mattresses on the floor in the living room. You know, people were sleeping on couches and whatnot. And I kind of picture it just like that. You know, it's no place for a baby. Now, attached to most of these houses, either below it or at one end, at one end of the house is a place where, you know, they, they would store stuff. They would also bring their animals in for the night. Um, it wasn't the best place in the world, but there was room, and it was private. I went through all that to get to this point. No matter how it happened, whether it was an innkeeper or a great uncle or somebody who lived next door, someone went out of their way to make sure that Mary and Joseph had a private, safe place for Jesus to be born. You know, for all the tradition surrounding the innkeeper, we don't know exactly what happened or how everything happened. But I'm convinced of this. If it were important enough for us to know, God would have written it down. He wrote everything else down. So it's not what happened really isn't important. It's the people that were involved. It's what was done. It was everything that God set up up to that point. God's really specific. The bottom line is, is that someone went out of their way to meet the needs of Mary and Joseph. It's becoming a rare event to see people go out of their way for other people. You know, especially this time of year. I mean, we talk about Christmas, but we're, a lot of people are just running around doing, you know, end of the year things at work. We're trying to do shopping for this, that, or the other thing and make sure everybody gets the exact right thing and whatnot. And you know, we, we don't have time. It seems like we're just going through motions sometimes. And I don't want to go through motions. Um, and that's how we can help someone experience the Christmas touch. I want us all to purposely look for ways that we can go out of our way for someone, for anybody, in the name of Jesus. As followers of Christ, we're supposed to be different from the world. And a lot of the times, we don't really look or act any different. Um, Titus. How often have you guys read Titus? You forget that. Like, who's Titus? He's in there. He's in the New Testament. Uh, Titus chapter 2. Verses 11 to 15 says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. Another translation of verse 14 says, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify purify to himself a peculiar people zealous for good works. We're supposed to be peculiar. Some of us are. Um, 
I want to tell you that uh, it's very peculiar when people go out of their way these days for other people. I mean, you'll see something on the Internet where they make a really huge, big deal out of somebody doing something really nice for someone else, and the only reason they do that is because it's getting more rare. It's like, it's like looking at a rare painting that you only see once every... Or like that flower that blooms once every 10 years down here in Miami they have somewhere. It's, it's a rare event. Well, we need to be peculiar every day. That's, that's, that's how we can help someone experience a Christmas touch. We can bring Christ to them for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. That's Christmas. The revealing of the grace of God. The revealing of the one who opened the gates of heaven for all of us. We should strive to show others that grace and help them attain it. There's a short video uh, that explains better than I ever could about going out of your way to help someone. Uh, This video is by a gentleman by the name of Joe Hal. And what he does is he goes out and he does a lot of little social experiments. And he records them and then he posts them on his webpage. This one he actually did down in Miami. Uh, He's got some really interesting stuff. Anyway, let's take a quick look. It's like four minutes long. Yo, what's going on, you guys? So today, I was shooting a social experiment while something incredible happened. You guys are not going to want to miss what happens at the end. What's up, man? What's up, You've been putting quarters in the whole time? Yeah. You took off and I was trying to stop you like, hey, hey, Yeah, man. Uh, no, man. I want you to get a ticket. I was, you know, I actually did that on purpose when I was shooting, um, I was shooting a social experiment. My I, camera guy's right there. You see behind the fence? Oh. Hey. You see, we were actually shooting it on purpose and I was, it's crazy that you did that, man. You actually, you know, you actually sacrificed your money 
the money that you could have used to buy some food, the money that you could have used to do something for yourself, but you spent it on me not getting a ticket. You didn't even have to do that, you know what I mean? Oh, man. That's just the little I have, man. After all that I've been through on this street, man, it's just cool, and I, was, I just thought I would help you out. What made you want to do that, man? Life, man, from a life perspective, things have been too rough for me, and there's nothing I can do. Dude, that means Nobody a lot. To, to hold me down, nothing, so... Dude, I was, I was seriously standing there tearing up, man. That yeah. means a lot to me, dude. Like, you're putting, you spending your own money just to save me from getting a ticket. Somebody that, you know, dressed nice, somebody that has, you know, everything that he needs in life. And you actually help me out. You spend the money that you barely get a day, you put it in my meter. Just so I don't get a small little ticket. And you, and it's not like you'd even have to do that. It's just little coins, man. After all that I've been through, man, I can't do anything else but to do something. Dude, man, that... Yeah, that give me a hug, man. That means a lot to me, man. Thank you, bud. That really means a lot to me. How long has it been since you ate, man? Honestly, since yesterday. Wow, here, man. Let me help you out. That means a lot to me, man. There you go, man. That seriously means a lot to me, man. That, that, I can't believe that you actually did that, man. Keep that money. Go get yourself a room. This is a lot of money. No, man. It's cool. No worries, man. It's, I wanted to give it to you the whole time we were standing here. We've been standing here for like two hours, man. We've been watching you the whole time doing that. And I and I wanted to give you that money, man. It really means a lot to me, man. Bro, you sure this is not a... This is... I've never received this much money from anybody. No, man, no. It's all yours now, man. Go eat and everything, man. Wow. No worries, man. Have a good day, man. Wow, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a good day, man. God bless you. This is our setup right now. Crazy what this guy did. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm going to approach him now, but it's insane. Like, I can't believe it, guys. I started tearing up just standing here. It's, it's insane, guys. How, how, how's that for going out of your way to help somebody? I mean, that, that just blew me away when I saw that. Like, wow, man. Guy probably had maybe a dollar in his, in his you know, little container there. Um... This Christmas, let's purposely look for opportunities to go out of our way. Let's stretch our faith and commitment to Christ. Actually, I want to challenge you. Do you have the nerve? Do you have the nerve to ask God to give you the opportunity to go out of your way this week for somebody? I dare you to do that. And I guarantee you, something will unfold right in front of you. God will give you an opportunity to go out of your way to help someone. I'm going to help you do that. Uh, in the beginning of the sermon, I mentioned that it's, you know, pastor's responsibility to equip you to do God's work. Well, that equipping takes many forms. So, we have gift cards left from the Halloween giveaway because we did our 50 bags we ended up with like 70, 75 cards, so we, we have some left. So what I want to do is I want to give each of you a gift card, or at least one to every family, or however many we can do, along with a little sawgrass you know, business card. And this week, I want you to ask God to place somebody in your path to give this card to. And I don't care who you give it to. It's going to be entirely up to you. We're not going to ask you, you know, to report back. Well, I may ask you to volunteer the information because I'd like to hear what God did 
in your life this week because I know he's going to do something. And when you give it to him, you know, you could just tell him, you know, this free gift is our way of, you know, showing you the free gift of Jesus Christ or explaining to you the gift that God really gave us on Christmas. Or you could tell him anything that God puts on your heart. Um, so make sure, you know, if you want to do this, come and get one from me in the back before you guys leave. Uh, in a moment, before we, we're going we're gonna to share communion, but before we do that, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for Jesus. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray that this week, for everyone here, that wants you to, that you would open up the door of opportunity for them to be peculiar. Go out of their way for someone. For someone that they wouldn't even normally do anything for. Or whoever, Lord. I pray, God, that this week, your love would come through each of the people in this room. Father, we just, we just thank you. Sometimes there are no words, God. And even the Apostle Paul said, you know, the spirit groans and you understand. I just release every person in the room to you. And we'll be sure to give you the glory. Because, Lord, we know we're going to see things that happen that couldn't be because of us. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we're going to celebrate communion like we usually do at the beginning of every month. Yeah, you guys can come down and start passing that out while I'm still talking. The only thing that you required or that God requires for you to participate in communion is that you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And looking at everybody in this room, I know we all do. But I'll add one other caveat. If there's anything between you and the Lord right now, maybe you have a... a an unconfessed problem or he's been nudging you about something I'd ask you to take a few minutes now while we're waiting and just kind of you know straighten things out with the Lord
Hey, I'll come back and get my own. I did that on purpose. I knew. So I could say that. Communion is about remembering. And this time of year, Christmas is about remembering. Apostle Paul said in Corinthians, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that your body was broken for us, Lord. Help us to remember that always as we live for you. Let us share the bread in Jesus' name. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. On an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Father, we thank you for the blood that opened up the gates of heaven for us. We pray, Lord, that you would cover our lives and that we would remember every single day that we are covered by your blood. Let's share the cup in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you, Father. Once again, Lord, we continually thank you. We ask that thankfulness reign in our hearts always. Help us to rejoice always, God. We know this is your will. Father, I pray for everyone here that as they go... That they have a good week, Lord. And they make contact with you on a daily basis. We thank you in Jesus' name.